You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Gators Breakdown, the Gators Fan Podcast, because there's never a dull moment in Gator Nation. David Waters here from Gators Breakdown and at it again with Uncle Silk, Corey Knowles from the Big Three Roll Up with another edition of the Gator Panel. Silk, uh, we're putting this together again for Gator Nation with our good friends here. Gator Nation's excited. Everything's uh, moving in a positive direction for the Gators, and, and it's been a while we can say that uh, about Florida to go along here with all the enthusiasm uh, around, around the Gators right now. Yeah, man, everything's looking beautiful, man. Um, back with the Gator panel. Got some new faces on here with Amar Black. Uh, a couple guys dropped out last minute, but we're going to get it rolling. Uh, got some imitators out there. Got some people trying to do what we do. You know what I'm saying? So let's get the uh, original jumping off real quick. There we go. There we go. So here we go. Uh, introductions. Get it started right here. Uh, Ahmad Black, let's start with you. What's going on, Ahmad Black? Um, Gator safety, 07 to 10, national champion, baby. Take Casey. Oh, I think he's on mute. Take hey, mute. <laughs> Forgot about that. Sorry about that, boy. Take Casey, 04 to 08. Two-time national champion. Oh, hit him with had, the tape. Hit him with the tape. Had to one-up you, my son. My bad. My bad. Nick Delatore. Nick Delatore, Gator Country, no-time national champion. <laughs> Thomas. Thomas Goldcamp, 24-7 sports. I don't really have anything cool to say, but let's get this thing rolling. All right. Graham Hall. Graham Hall, the Gainesville son. Just honored to be back here. Oh, my God. That background, bro. <laughs> it's back. It's back. I feel like I want to like do some voodoo or something. <laughs> <laughs> Just chilling vibe and look at it, man. It I feel like I'm on Aladdin or something. All right, take a ride, baby. Man, we were talking about Graham. We were talking about bourbon beforehand, and I didn't. Uh, I forgot the. I forgot the poor one. So, uh, likewise. No, bro. Here we go. Uh, yeah, Zach Alberti is covering softball tonight, uh, and then Ben Troop may or may not uh, get in here. He has a speaking engagement tonight, so uh, if he jumps in, okay. If not, uh, we'll keep it rolling here. But uh, guys. Recruiting kind of talk right now. We'll do some broad strokes and uh, get a little get more particular later on in the episode. But you know, from the slow start uh, for the 2019 class, uh, the the California experiment, cookouts, a 10 win season, Miami and FSU uh, kind of faltering during the season, coaching changes. When it was all said and done, the Gators finished with a top 10 class. Uh, you know, most of us discussed recruiting right before the season, and we really had no idea where it was going to go uh, on one of the panel episodes we did there. So you know, there was. No way to kind of you know forecast that the Gators uh, to get a ten win season at the same time Florida State and Miami struggle along the way. All that put together helped propel the, the, the finish to this class with some top talent, uh, a talent influx for the for the second year in a row under Mullen. Uh, the staff went after top targets, not afraid to, and landed a good bit of them. Silk man, the, this class was a, a heck of an exclamation point, dating all the way back to the start of the season. Yeah, it started off slow. It was a slow start to the recruiting season, but I mean, once the end of the summer, things start picking up. Uh, we got some wins. Uh, we we kind of knew you, we was gonna have to show something on the field, some uh, offense for us to get this thing turned as a program. And, and money started getting it rolling. Overall, the class is is pretty good. We missed that defensive tackle, strong side defensive end, but other than that, we hit on pretty much all of our needs, man. wants to jump in next yeah i think everyone's gonna 
obviously point out that defensive tackle spot, which certainly was you know lessened by them getting uh, John Greenard from from Louisville, and and then obviously the guys on the roster. You're talking about several uh, defensive tackles coming back, and Adam Schuler and Kyrie Campbell, who have another year in in Gainesville, and as long as they address that position next year and prioritize it, I, I think that there will be no issue with, with, with the defensive tackle spot. And, and otherwise, you look around and you look at the needs they addressed. I mean, that getting in seven offensive linemen, knowing you're losing four starters, that's something that uh, separates the elite programs for the, from the pretenders. I mean, I, I think that we can all cl- uh, agree that Will Muschamp not getting a lot of offensive linemen was one of um, certain of things that led to his undoing as well. And, and Florida – addressing all their needs is pretty big in, in Mullen's first year, I would say. But yeah. Not just not getting enough, but he would get uh, kids getting kicked off the team right away, kids getting injuries, um, the offensive line, the, the numbers weren't there, and then the kids that did make it to campus weren't on campus for very long for, for much chance. Yeah, I, I'm glad that, you know, of course, I'm going to say I, we got a lot of DBs in there. Um, I'm so, so happy to see the talent. I'm so excited to see the talent that we got back there. Um, the offensive line as well, like, you know, we got some guys that could potentially step up and be big for us this year. Um, you know, our, our, our offensive line is, is is the is the front runner of our offense basically, um, and and that's what's gonna, you know, uh, tell us what our quarterback's gonna do is is how well the offensive line does. Yeah, and I'll, and I'll piggyback that. I mean, we talked a lot in the offseason about offensive line and Coach Hevesy coming in and, and actually being able to, to influence those guys and, and propel them a little bit. And now what you're looking at is like guys like Jawan Taylor really stepping up this year going on to be possibly a first, you know, top 10 pick, first round draft pick this year um, with Martez Ivy, a couple of those guys who, you know, Tyler Jordan and those guys really stepping up. He's going to have young guys to deal with this next offseason and the winter workouts as he goes into spring, goes into two a days. He's also going to have a lot of guys coming in in this class. That's a big deal. I also think you probably keep an eye on some of these, you know, outside linebackers that we signed that may bump into that DN rush in slot and bump possibly some of those DNs inside where you've got athletic big bodies, you know, not necessarily your typical 6'4", 295-pound defensive tackles, but guys that can move and still occupy space and be athletic in the middle. So, I mean, I, I think we'll be fine. I obviously understand there's a lot of concern around the defensive tackle position right now, but you also got to remember these guys are getting another season under Nick Savage under their belt right now. they got a lot of upside going into this offseason, and there's a lot of moving pieces that I still – have yet to settle and I think we'll see more of that as we get around to summer and and two a days yeah one thing I would add to that I think uh, when you look at what Dan Mullen's done with his roster in the first two years um, he's done a really good job of aggressively targeting some spots that he thinks were needs you know I look back at receiver a year ago and you know he's able to come in and land two stud transfers uh, guys that obviously played a huge role right away Uh, I think Mullen's shown that he's pretty nimble in the transfer market so that's maybe a way you can shore up defensive tackle moving down the road uh, same thing with JUCO players. You know, Mullen has a history of kind of bringing in some of those JUCO players, particularly in the trenches. So I don't worry about that a whole lot. I think just generally looking at it, you look at the quality of the upgrades that he's made. Um, you know, Florida's turning over some three-star talent with four-star players. And at the end of the day, you get enough of those guys. That's when you start to have guys that emerge out of that group and really start to be big-time playmakers. And I think you look at this class, and I think there's a whole lot of those guys in it. Thomas, I want to go back to an article that you just had uh, I saw because we really pit on it on Gators Breakdown is the versatility of a lot of these guys that they brought in. You know, you go back to last class and Amari Bernie and what we saw him do towards the end of the season and then now Diabate and Summerall and and, uh, and Black and those guys that they're bringing in. Uh, that's kind of where I think, you know, we don't know. We'll maybe get into it later on what happens with Todd Grantham here on down the road. But, you know, for what we know about his defense and the talent that they brought in this class – I think versatility is probably the, the the biggest thing and the biggest key that I like. Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt. I mean, you know, and Tate kind of hit on it. You don't know how some of these guys are going to grow out. You know, you may have some of these rush end types that get into a college strength program. All of a sudden, they're adding 40 pounds, and they're guys that can play inside at three tech for you. Um, I, I just I think there's a lot to like about this class. Obviously, there are some things that, you know, probably could have been done a little bit better. It was a slow start, all that. But I think at the end of the day, Dan Mullen knows what he wants. And, and look, he's not beating around the bush either. He came out and said it on National Signing Day. Yeah, we got to really shore up defensive tackle going forward. And I think you're going to see them do that pretty aggressively. Anybody else want to jump in there? Yeah, I also think with uh, the flexibility you guys are speaking about, I think even with DeWan Black, I think he could play safety as well, some strong safety or some star, also linebacker. So you got a lot of flexibility. And I think the linebacker group, 
Uh, shout out to C Rob. He did an amazing job with, with what he brought in. I think the talent at linebacker that Randy Shannon, those guys left wasn't they were okay. That's what I'm gonna say. I, I, I like Mojo for what he brings to the table, but elite talent at linebacker. And I think we got some athletes that that Grantham and, and Mullen really want some SEC style guys. Well, what you got to understand too, also, man, the, the game is getting faster. You know, we got safeties moving the linebacker. We got linebackers moving it outside of the defensive end. You know, outside guys moving inside. Um, you know, the game is getting faster, man, and 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 now we got to put guys on the field that can compete with those hybrid tight ends and those guys that can that can uh, play tight end and then and then uh, split out wide to wide receiver. You're not you're not even looking at a guy like like Dewan and saying, hey, he's a safety or a linebacker. You're looking at him, I think, on a week-to-week matchup. And, and when you're playing a team like Absolutely. Georgia, when you're playing a team like Georgia, hey, who's covering Nada? Uh, it's not necessarily a position. It's, hey, this guy matches up physically. He's big enough to handle him if, if he's up against the line, fast enough to, you know, keep up with him. I think that's what you're looking for, more so than just, hey, what position does he play? It's, hey, who can he cover? Because, like Ahmad said, the game is changing so much. And you've got, you know, six-foot-four guys, 250 pounds running four-fours. I'm still trying to figure out who's covering Nada. Right. Right. I'm glad he's going. Covered him yet? The <laughs> cat was the cat was balling, but I, you know, I do agree. The game is getting faster. You start seeing some of these hybrid tight ends and some of these big body wide receivers, and you like to go and grab those guys every chance you can for your offense. But when you're playing against them, that matchup obviously is something you've got to take care of. And the question becomes. You put the smaller body DB who can who can grow a pair of man up on somebody like that, or do you go out and find a guy that's a little bit bigger body that you can match up one on one, or at least get some some relief on your on your back end? You know whether that's redirection or routes, etc. Um, you know, my you, you've seen it. You know when you go up against some of these big body tight ends, or you got to go up against these these long rangey guys that sneak up on you a little bit. They don't look like much, but man, when they get out in open field and start running, and a lot of them that run good routes, they, they can be a, something to handle. Yeah, I used to guard Tate all the time, so I know. Yeah. <laughs> one, of the, one of the things I think we are missing from this class, I think offensively, like every class, we got to start getting those transcendent type of playmakers. Um, we got some talent, but I think we need transcendent type of guys. I think this next class, Mullen can land a quarterback and some other players that could be those type of guys, like the Davin Cook type players and the Jamie Winstons and even the T-Bowls and Percy Harvins. You need those type of guys. We got some talent, but we need some difference makers that, that change the whole program. You know, I, I agree with that, but I got a feeling that Dan's looking at what he's got in the bag right now that's already on campus to try and see where he can shuffle some of these pieces around. I really think that, you know, Emory, the unknown right now at quarterback, and you look at some of the offensive types that you've got, you've got some running backs and some receivers that could possibly be that shifty type. And I'm not saying he's not going to go out and find the guys you're talking about, but I think he definitely wants to see who's going to kind of transcend or turn into that 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 P position or that Percy Harvin position that he can put in the backfield. He can run him in motion for wide receiver to the backfield, run those shovel option routes, you know, et cetera, and really see who's that puzzle piece that he can fit almost anywhere in a skill position. And right now he's probably got maybe a, a maybe two maybe one really that he can like right now uh, i say he's kind of waiting to see if damian pierce is going to be a guy that he can do that with but i don't know if he's reliable with hands he's got um uh, number um Kadarius tony he's got Kadarius. he's got Kadarius tony who that's, that's, i really think that that is his guy I, I honestly i think that i that, think he needs to learn the route tree man no well, well, no yeah and i agree with he's that. on the field he like he tips your hand i i agree with that but he's also a young guy so we got to remember how yeah. much how much you know with this first year head coach you're trying to install you're trying to get these guys to pound in and understand defenses the biggest thing for him is off season right get his work in put that work in in the off season get your head in the playbook run those routes get your timing down with the quarterbacks and the biggest thing for him is he better be in tune with every single bit of the offseason program, every single bit of the winter workouts, every single bit of spring ball. He's got to be receiver. Exactly. And you got to come back around. And when you're in that position, you cannot be somebody who's not trusted, especially by the head coach. And that's a guy who's offensive minded. He's come from a coordinator spot. So his biggest thing is, do you care and do I trust you? And if if Dan Mullen can look at Kadarius Tony and go, I trust him enough to put the ball in his hands. 40% of the game, I think he could easily be that playmaker. The question is how fast can he grow up this offseason and show that he's turned a corner and he can be that guy. 
I mean, fans were going crazy at the beginning of the year. Why is Kadarius Tony touching the ball two times a game? And that's exactly what you said there. He didn't trust him to do other than what you saw him do, which was, you know, catch that screen pass. And he didn't trust him to run routes and do the other things. And you saw as the season went on, that trust build, he starts getting the ball in his hands more. But that, that's at some point, that's on the player. It's not on the coach. You have to show uh, the coach. It, it, absolutely. Now, if he gets into sophomore, junior year, and it's, and we're still seeing that where he's not getting the ball that much, even though he's dynamic and he's he's got that ability, that big playmaking ability, then I think you kind of look and say it's something behind the scenes, whether it's practice, whether it's class, whether it's off-season program, he's just not one of those guys that's to you know, turn it over. But I like I said, he's still young. Still got a lot of ball left to play in him, and it's really going to be about how he approaches the offseason program, how he approaches you know the film sessions and everything else that goes into being a D1 football player. How serious is he taking it? And if he's one of those guys who's in the film room at 5.30 every morning and he's out the door going to tutor at 7 o'clock every night and he's always on time and he's grinding and he's doing what he needs to do, he'll be that guy. There's no doubt. I think he'll be one of those guys in a heartbeat. It's just question is, that's on him. He's got to be able for the next year or two years to really turn that corner. I think he can be if he does that. I, I definitely agree, Tate, man, and 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 that's that's what it that that's what differentiates these guys is is how how serious do you want to be and how how serious do you take your craft and do you really want to take your game to the next level and that's and that's what it is is getting in the weight room, learning your playbook. I mean, because ultimately, the more you do, the longer you can stay. And, I, and I'm a firm believer of that. And, and I feel like Kadarius um, brings a lot to the table and, and he definitely can help out us, help the Gators out um, a little bit better than he did last year, um, this year coming up. Yeah, Tony, Tony's problem is is definitely not ability. He's fast. Everybody wants the ball in his hand. He's electric. But like the words you said, craft, he got to learn the craft of being a receiver. Um, he got to take time out to learn the nuances of running routes, setting up routes to hone his skills, to just to go to the next level too, not just with, with college football and, and now and getting on the field now, but if he wants to make some money in it, in, in, as, this, as with this game as a profession, he needs to learn the skills of, of the wide receiver position. I think he's just an athlete right now. If you get the ball in his hands, he can make things happen. Well, the biggest thing I think of this, when we're talking about the class, I mean, you got R.J. Henderson, you got a guy who's going to come in and be a dynamic playmaker at wide receiver, plus you have some guys back from last year. When you go into that and you talk of the defensive side of the ball mixed with the offensive line, we got some good pickups. I mean, we got some great pickups. I think Dan did exactly what he needed to do to close the year out in the recruiting process. And the last time we all got together, that was the question, right? How are yeah, we going to close? Yeah. You know, is he going to be able to close Elam? Was he going to be able to close some of these big hitters? And then, of course, you pick up R.J. Henderson, who wasn't necessarily expected and that's just kind of icing on the cake. And, and when you turn a corner in the next season, that's exactly the exclamation point he needs to go into the offseason program. So uh, I'm excited about what they got on campus already. I'm even more excited about two days after everybody shows up. Well, it's, I mean, that's two straight years from all in closing strong, too. And I think the one thing that stood out to me about the program he's run so far is they always seem to have momentum, man. It's like no matter what, whenever something you know goes slightly wrong, they manage to pull something out, like a good finish on National Signing Day. And R.J. Henderson, uh, to me, that's pretty impressive. That's something that I think Urban was a master at. Uh, and I think, obviously, Dan picked up some of that from his time in Florida, too. Yeah, and, and people have made this point, you know, a lot. Of, you can make it about Malik Langham and, and Chris Bogle and stealing guys away from Nick Saban. But, but Thomas and Nick, you guys have heard uh, Dan Mullen say this several times, that they rank some of these guys differently than, than the services do. And there's some guys in this class that, for various reasons, or three stars, four stars, didn't rise up. Naquan Wright, Jamarcus Weston, a few that come to mind for certain reasons that they think are absolute steals. So you have a perfect kind of mix of guys that, that services rate highly and then guys that, you know, a guy like Weston who stuck in this program for 18 months, committed to the previous staff. Uh, that, that's, that's huge, I, th I think, for, for Florida, getting that perfect mix of guys and still finishing with that top 10 class, which everyone is going to really – look back and, and when they rank the class and, and look at that ranking rather than how the guys turned out in the program, unfortunately. Yeah, because that was – and going back, it was a heck of a finish. It was seven of the top ten players in the class came from closing, from early signing day to, to national signing day. Seven of the top ten players committed and signed were in that period. So, you know, much was made of the uh, of the slow start and, and even quick summarizations that, that this staff can't recruit, which was you know inexcusable at the time, way too early uh, to say that. You know, I always had the mindset that you know we could assess at the time, and we all did an episode on that together. But it was with the notion that you know things would change and, and get better. But the question was 
how much better and how would they close? We know, well, when it came down to it, you know, that was the difference in the class. Go back to early signing period and, and the Lakeland trio uh, getting their announcements on ESPN, them picking Florida, put Florida in the spotlight for that day. And then Florida was rightfully, you know, being discussed as a big winner of the early signing period. Then comes national signing day and it comes around. And then that day starts very early with, with Bogle flipping from Alabama to Florida. And there was Dan Mullen and, and Florida again in the spotlight, you know, in the, so in the headlines of signing day and early signing period, you know, it was all because how the Gators closed and finished those two days. Yeah, I think I think part of that could be just the way the process unfolds, too. You know, a lot of the more elite guys tend to wait a little bit longer. I'd be curious, uh, you know, hearing from Ahmad and Tate, um, the one thing that a lot of people have pointed to with with Mullen so far is the lack of really elite kind of five star type prospects. Um, Florida, I think right now is going to go into next season not having a five star on the roster. I mean, is there something that programs or coaches have to do different to attract those type of players? Or is that just kind of an organic process that you think will happen the more, you know, Dan starts to put some results on the field? I think it. I think it, 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 it's more of, of what are you going to put on the field? I mean, Tay, you, you can kind of vouch for me. Um, it's not too many five stars that I've seen um, around the time we played that came in and actually made a huge impact. Right. Um, you know, I, I feel like um, the star stuff is kind of overrated to me uh, um, at some point. Yeah. So at, at the end of the day, we all got to get out there and play, regardless yeah. of how many stars you are. So – um, I, I just feel like, you know, the star thing and whatever, you know, because what was P. Ryan? Maybe a three star. You know, we had a, I know I can let, go down the line and name a couple of guys that has made huge impacts that weren't five star. I mean, yeah. like a lot of guys on our team now. I, I'd say this. I mean, I, what it really boils down to, it depends on the coaching staff. It depends on, you know, what, what they believe in terms of the, the ratings and everything else. I can tell you that. And I can really speak for a guy like Billy Gonzalez, John Hevesy, guys that I that I was around that coached, you know, when I was there, uh, Mullins of the world. They look at it as I'm gonna turn the film on. I'm gonna see the intangibles. I'm gonna see what I see and what I can coach up really well. And right. What needs to be developed. What the strengths and weaknesses are. And then I'm also gonna go talk to his high school coaching staff. See what his what his strengths and weaknesses are off the field. I'm gonna go talk to the lunch lady at the cafeteria and figure out what kind of guy he is. Those those are like the small things that nobody really considers and factors into the recruiting process. But when I was getting recruited out of high school, Larry Fedora went and talked to like five people that worked at the high school. My like my English teacher, like the principal, was talking to like the janitor, random people that like just to get a feel for what kind of person that I was. And those are like the small things that you can't, you know, in recruiting, you, you look at a website, it's posted. That stuff just got big when I was in high school. And the way they used to do it was they used to call you and say, hey, if your dad buys a subscription, we'll bump you up a star type deal. And I see Thomas smiling because he knows that's how <laughs> it used to work. And, and, it was, and it was funny because they would call the house as much as recruiters would. And that's kind of how it started out. And it wasn't really that big until I got to campus in like literally 2004, you had like frat guys at the bar rattling off your high school stats. Like it was something really yeah. great. And I can tell you right now, my high school stats weren't great, but there were a couple of people in Florida that thought they were pretty <laughs> legit. So it, it, it's just one of those things. It depends on how you recruit, how, you know, how you coach has a lot to do with it. What your scheme is, you know, for that position, that player. And I don't think Dan Mullen's got a, you know, a shred of doubt that he can turn a three-star into a five-star player. It's just a matter of what, what his strengths, what his weaknesses are. And then you go from there. What kind of person he is? Yeah, and I, I think. Well, I mean, we give me one second, Black. I mean, we, I don't, I'm not a stargazer. I don't like getting into all the star stuff, but there is a difference when you see. A, I mean, those some of those five star guys are making huge differences. Even yeah. Yeah. There, there's a big difference. I think it's a gap when you see the, some of the, some of the um the playmakes that you get with, with five stars, and they make a difference in the program. No, I, I'm not. I'm not gonna disagree yeah, with that. But I would say that it, at times there have been five stars that literally they get to. You right. know, and yeah. it depends Absolutely. on what it depends on what high school it, they it, come it, from. It, it comes at high school. It depends on what they play against. It depends on where they're coming it, from. Like, right? yeah, and, 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 and all that matters too with landing them too. Like, it, it's just a stroke of luck sometimes. If you get yeah. some five star kids that's at a gator also, hole, also, also like it, it, or, camps, man. You go. Some people go to some camps, man, and certain camps, and you know, it's certain people. Sometimes it's who you know. Um, with a lot of these things too, because you're not going to tell me some some of the players I've seen, you know, come out and, and don't be five star. But then I look at somebody else that's five star, and it's like, wait a minute, who you know who's great in this? Um, I kind of, yeah. you know, to pick it pick it back off of, of a take, um, you know, with, with Mullen bringing in a certain type of guys, and that, 
I, I see now that they're bringing the guys back that are kind of like family oriented who, who want to be there. Um, and, and, and the guys who, who are different from what they're recruiting kind of weeding themselves out and they kind of transfer or, or, you know, this may happen, this may happen. Um, I'm liking the guys that the type of guys that, that coach Mullen and the gang are, are bringing in, man. Cause those are good, good people. We know they can play football. We know that everybody know they can play football, but what type of per person are you, you know, and that, that could take you a long way, man. I mean, hey, there's some examples of that. I mean, let's look at the surface. I didn't, you just said that, and I haven't really put it together. Look at the off-field issues that just haven't really necessarily been there uh, since Mullins got around. There's just yeah. we're not we're not we're not we're not following that anymore. And I mean, we had it's a nice change of pace. That's a weird thing with the uh, the tape bang and the pot and all. Yeah, yeah. Nonsense over something. But other than that, it's been quiet, man. It's been weirdly quiet in, in Gainesville, and I like it. Hey, you got to talk about that it. now, so I got to go and gain little mug shots tomorrow morning. Thanks for that. <laughs> <laughs> it's not going to be man. It's been quiet. Hey, I'm not even going to lie. Like, I have a little brother say, man, you, I see Miami dancing all on the, on, the, on the videos in the locker room. I say, man, yeah, Savage getting it out of them, so they ain't got time to dance yeah. in the locker room. <laughs> we get done working out. We tired, man. We don't got time to do all that, man. Just go home. Ain't got time to tweet. Ain't got time to Instagram. Ain't none of that. Ain't got time for all that. We just, just got to go work out. I like it. Home. That's like that, that McMurati workout. You didn't have time to crawl to the trash can. Bro, yeah, they they, they, they can leave a tweet to me. I got the tweet, fellas. Y'all I'm going to hold it down. I'm going to hold it down. Hey, yeah, yeah. So you seen how I hadn't been, I hadn't been that active. I hadn't been that active on Twitter in the offseason. Like, I leave it up to the professionals. <laughs> hey, look, I follow Silk Lee, man. I guess we get you some trouble some nights, man. Since we got the right people on here, let's move to uh, one of the biggest storylines of this cycle. And Ahmad can really speak to this. And it's reestablishing the pipeline to Lakeland. Uh, that was the you know the trio of Lloyd Summerall, Keon Zipper, Diave Hammond, signed with the Gators. Uh, Demarcus Bowman is high on the list for 2020. Ahmad, you know it better than any of us. Uh, but getting back into Lakeland, you know, it was a must uh, in this class. And Mullen came in and got it done. Oh, man, it, it was big. And, like, I never heard so many – Gator fans back in Lakeland since 2007. All right, um, it's going crazy down there. Everybody just want to be part of Gator Nation um, right now, and not not you know just because they're bandwagoning, but you know it's these kids that we brought in have such a huge impact on the city, on the other kids. Um, you know, just looking up to them playing football, man, and and them coming back to Florida doing what we did, man, it, it's it's huge down there, and a lot of people are buying into it, man. I can't wait. I'm so excited to see these guys in the Gator uniform. Yeah, man. Was there any doubt at any point in time that them guys wouldn't come in the UF in your mind? Oh, man. Um, I want to say, you know, I, they were saying Miami at one point, but I'm telling you, every single chance I got, I'm like, hey, listen, you know, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not saying Miami's a bad choice, but let me tell you why we're better. And, you know, I, I, I just try to just, just let them, you know, explain to them that, man, this is not a four-year decision. This is a lifetime decision. You know, I, I don't know, what, 10 years since I suited up in the Gator uniform? And I, and still to this day, you know, people say, hey, man, I, you know, I remember this play and I was at this, you know, this spot when you made that interception. And, you know, it, it's just so cool to just, you know, pe people are always carry that with you. And, you know, and, and like I said, man, I just recently graduated. I have that piece of paper that I can always say I'm part of the University of Florida, man. And that's the top 10 public school, man. And not too many people get to say that, man. That's, that's, that's an awesome opportunity to have. Yeah, man, and I second that. I think the you know for for guys like uh, Lakeland Pipeline, obviously back when we were playing, I mean it was man, who yeah, yeah, Paul Wilson. We had everybody like besides Ahmad, Paul, Rainey, you know, Pouncy Twins. I mean, I necessarily didn't like any of them, but but for the most part, they were pretty good players. But <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. And they, they like great guys, great players, and and Lakeland's obviously known for producing those those caliber players that go on and, and do great things. And, you know, we were lucky enough to have five, five, six of them on one squad. So um, that's a big deal. I mean, I think obviously I'm a little bit biased, but out of that group, you know, uh, Keon Zipper is going to be, for what we have in a tight end room, as much as I've harped this year on, that's the, the most depth, biggest tight end room we've had in a while um you know you're gonna have about three or four playmakers in that tight end room really three of them that got great hands and athletic and, and speed that can you know do some damage uh yards after catch it, it's gonna be a good thing to see and then when you add summer on and um and uh the ivy hammond i mean it's gonna be it's gonna be pretty sweet yeah, no doubt. No, yeah. I, like i say man I'm, I'm so excited to see these guys and, and um you know 
ever since you know these, these guys have, have floated in their midst, like I said, man, um, everybody in the city just kind of like flocked around them. You know, no disrespect to you know Florida State, Miami. Um, I think everybody wanted them to be kind of like a you know like a sequel to the to the Lakeland uh, Seven that we had. Yeah, yeah, and I also want to. That's how Dan Mullen sold it. I mean, really, though. I mean, he he was telling those guys, "Hey, come do what Ahmad did, and you know those other Lakeland Seven back in the day." And uh, I mean, I don't. Maybe Nick can tell you whether or not that uh, that could happen. But uh, you know, I, I think it's a pretty smart idea. I got nothing for this entire segment. I'm waiting for the next one. <laughs> I need some FTA talk, man. Liven them up a little bit. Hey, man. You know, I mean. We went to the state championship. Before I even got there, we had already – I thought we scored like twice. Yeah, I don't even think y'all crossed the 50 by the time I got there. Like, it, it, it was it was crazy this year. Did he cut out yeah. anything else? Look, I can't the, hear him on. Is anyone else? The only office you guys had was go five wide, spread everybody out in a quarterback draw, all right? That's all. Wes Carroll. He at Mississippi State. You guys were the whole country. We can't be losing the small local teams like that. Hey, do y'all even want to talk high school football? No. Hey, listen. A bit. A hey, bit. let's let's bring Texas into this conversation and let's <laughs> talk about attendance ratings at the state high school football championships this year. Texas. 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 Google it. <laughs> Google it. All right, Greg, you had something for this? Well, I'm curious uh, for Ahmad and Tate's take. I mean, you bring up the Lakeland guys and how close, I guess, in some people's eyes, it was between Florida and Miami. You have so many, you know, avenues of getting out of that letter intent now. You know, if they were to have signed with Miami in the early signing period, you can call up that lawyer in, in Kentucky now and have him get you out of that letter of intent. You saw something with, what, Brew McCoy um, at USC going to Texas after the early signing period. How crazy is it as, as former players looking back at, at all the signing day stuff, you know, how the early signing period, the coaching carousel, it, does that stuff shock you guys or, or just kind of the business of football? I, I think it's just the business of football. Um, I, you know, I, 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 me personally think it's a little weird um, that coaches can get up and leave whenever they want and can coach at the next school, but players can't. Um, that's not, that's for a whole different discussion. Um, but you know, I, I don't know, man. I, I, you know, I players, players are going to go where they want to play at. Obviously. Um, I, I just feel like guys right now are running from competition, man. And I feel like what we, what we're getting in right now is a lot of guys that want to compete, man. So I, you know, I'm, like I said, I'm, I'm excited for that, man. The coaching carousel, man, is, you know, it's everywhere. Um, you know, I'm, I'm glad those guys didn't choose Miami. Um, cause it would have been looking crazy for them down there. Um, but I think they, they, they really bought in what I was telling them, man. And, and, and I, I didn't, you know, with me going to school and telling them, hey, man, you know, you should get your degree while I'm actually currently doing it, um, you know, kind of helped too, man. And just, you know, they get to see like guys who, who like Pounce, you know, I think Pounce went back and finished. Um, both of them went back and finished. Um, I think Rainey finished, you know, so a lot of the, a lot of the guys that from Lakeland actually play football. Yes, some of them are still playing, but ultimately we all got our degree too. That's more impactful than anything Dan Mullen, Nick Savage, anyone could have told them is someone like you from their city went to their sat in the same high school classroom and went to that school and, and went through it all. That's so much more impactful than any coach um, could tell them. Just, hey, I, I've been you. I've been through this walk. I, I've done this before. And I'm going to tell you exactly what it's like for me and what it would be like for you. And not only that, to think about the fact that you can sit there and tell them, like, I went on a play past college and then went back and got it done and they still accepted me like it was the day i walked off campus to go pursue my dream that's even more impactful and i think you know obviously me and my you know the same people they know y'all grew up in the same town like your family knows the same families that, that they relate to and and they know so like that that's the kind of stuff that like a you know a miami coach coming in trying to relate to those guys can't necessarily can't necessarily pull that conversation right. off. It's just something that, that's, you know, special. It's something you guys can can always obviously, you know, talk to each other about. Now you get a chance to watch those guys do the same thing y'all did 10 years ago, and you get to sit there and be a fan of it. And not only that, you get to mentor them to a certain degree when you see them. Right. All right. Uh, so you get to have some fun with this one, man. Uh, I think we got we definitely got to discuss what Florida was able to do while FSU and Miami – 
for falling behind on the trail, falling behind uh, on the field as well. You know, uh, you, you, you've been letting the trolls get off here for, for, for a good uh, few weeks now. And uh, I got some numbers here for that. Uh, I kind of, you know, look at the top of classes and kind of what you do. And you're looking at the top, uh, you know, in the FSU's top five players, you're led by Akeem Dent, uh, rank in the range of 50 to 202. Uh, the Gators basically have eight players ranked in the top 150 with the one black being ranked at 151. So I threw him in the top 150. So, you know, FSU's top five players from 50 to 202 and Florida's Florida has eight players in the top 150. So if FSU's eighth ranked player is ranked 265, uh, Miami's very similar to FSU's their top five ranges from uh, spots 54 to 210. So, you know, FSU and Miami's fifth ranked player are close to each other at 202 and 210 while Florida's fifth ranked player is Keon Zipper at 104. So, you know, while I mentioned you had the, you had Florida's top eight signees rank in the top 150, Miami's eighth ranked player is at 441. So it's the top end talent still going kind of going back to what you were talking about, you know, getting the five stars, uh, you know, getting the top hit, top, getting the top end guys. Florida did that at a much better rate than what FSU and Miami did. And especially when you look at the classes as a whole, it's not even close. And, and I, I'm a firm believer that it starts up front in the trenches, man. And what with guys like we flipped two Miami offensive linemen that hurt them, help us. Uh, they didn't really recover from that on the trail. Uh, Florida State's offensive line recruiting is, is pretty much a bunch of projects. Uh, nothing that's going to come in and fix their problem next year. And I don't think they got that no real good developmental guys, to be honest with you. So I think we out recruited them up front. And if you look at Florida State playmakers, they didn't get any. Um, they have Maurice Goosby, the only skill player that they signed on offense. Um, no running back. Again, no quarterback. No wide receiver. Uh, no no uh, tight end. Yeah, but they did. But they did. So they did get Nick Cross, though. <laughs> oh, <Hey. laughs> did I miss something on Twitter? Crossed it off. Crossed Crossed it off. I, I missed it on Twitter today. Yeah, you missed it. Big Stop. day. They missed on Nick Cross. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I heard. He, I, I mean, most of that. Nah, I'm just kidding. I gotta go get a drink on that one. <laughs> <laughs> hey, most of the recruits that are 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 good are deep, all defensive backs. We we've seen those type of classes. Must have had those. A defensive back, top loaded class that that kind of fluffed the class up. It may look okay when you look at it on paper, but when you get down to the nuts and bolts of that uh, Florida State class, it's in shambles. Miami tried to make it up a little bit with the transfer portal, but both of those, I think, both of those programs were set back a bit this this year. Yeah, Graham and Nick, I think that's what uh, was one big takeaway I take of it. Florida widened the gap on the field, and we saw it firsthand, forty-one fourteen when they played FSU. And, uh, you know, if you believe in, the, in some of the recruiting rankings and what you see there, the gap just got even wider. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that that's absolutely a positive for Florida that I don't think many people first saw. I mean, this time last year, many people were talking about Dan Mullen and Willie Taggart having these epic recruiting battles and, and them trying to compete with Miami, who just had a 10-win season and, and finished, you know, in the midst of a four-game losing streak, sure, but with a lot of promise. Uh, heading into that matchup against LSU. So, I mean, it, it just goes to show how much college football really is a yearly cyclical in and out business. It, it, it's crazy that coaches are still getting these four or five year contracts, knowing that most guys are going to be up on the block unless they're a legend in the business are going to be up there for review every single year. And then you have a situation right now at Florida state where the guy, Willie Taggart, uh, is not only battling everything that he's battling, they're bringing in a new athletic director who didn't decide to hire him, which as Florida fans know with Scott Strickland and, and Jim McElwain, they, they, you know, may only give you six months. Scott Strickland ended up extending Jim McElwain back in that July before canning him then in October. So it, it's really um, a situation to watch at Florida state because it could really get worse before it does get better. Well, just just to clarify on the extension, though, that was kind of already in the works uh, before Strickland took over, so it wasn't necessarily a thing where he got on board and then was like, "Okay, here's your extension." That was that was mostly just rubber stamping from him. Slander from Graham. Slander from Graham. Scott just texted you fifty dollars. <laughs> He's enjoying that new softball. He's enjoying that new softball stadium right now. Him on the cash app. Um, I think piggybacking off um, what Soak said a little bit, it's not just 
um, like what a Muschamp class would do, or, or like he says, what Willie did, where you're loading up on the position. I mean, if you look through this class, you've got five offensive linemen that you really needed, um, four wide receivers. That position's, uh, I mean, loaded right now. So there's talent, but there's also depth in positions that they needed, and I think that that's crucial. Um, we hit on it earlier with Muschamp not signing enough offensive linemen, and really just one bad class, and, and your numbers are skewed, and then you have to start doubling up on uh, next class, and then you don't get extra – you know, extra spots each year. Oh, well, sorry, you didn't sign enough defensive tackles, so we'll give you a couple extra scholarships for next year. Uh, it, it affects everything. And I think you're going to see that with Florida State um, not signing a quarterback because that happened with Florida. You had a quarterback class where you didn't get anyone, then you get Jeff and Jacoby, and then somebody transfers, and now your numbers are off, and you have to try to get two quarterbacks in a class again. And, and what Ahmad said earlier with kids not wanting to compete, especially at that quarterback position, if they're not getting getting snaps, not getting the ball, they're gone. So – you get behind you get behind the eight ball really quick, and, and uh, I, I see the way that they're constructing these classes. They're they're trying to avoid that, and they're doing a good job of that right now. I think I just think college football, especially when you look in the state of Florida, tends to be pretty cyclical. I mean, look at you look at Florida when uh, Urban was around, and you know Florida State pretty much got dominated. Miami wasn't really in the picture. Uh, that obviously turned around. Florida State got things rolling, and Florida kind of struggled. Um, I, I think the one thing you can say right now when you look at those three programs is that there's probably only one of them that you can say is really stable right now, and that's Florida. And I think that helps a ton when you're talking about recruiting from the same pool of kids for the most part between these three big schools. I think uh, Dan Mullen, you know, his roots to Florida in his previous time there has really helped with that. He's been able to kind of get that message to resonate and then, you know, competing for championships. Um, but anytime you have, you know, Florida State and Miami both struggling a little bit, there's an opportunity to be had. And I think there's no doubt that Dan Mullen senses that. And I think that Florida so far has done a pretty good job of capitalizing on that. Hey, take take Namad. I get your thoughts on here. You know the way Florida dominated Florida State on the field, kind of like go, kind of going back to Thomas's point here, uh, and you know that that there you have you're opening up with Miami next year. Uh, from you guys that are in it, you talk. You know, I'm sure you talk to the players that are on the field. You know all, all that you see them around. You know, players from Miami, players from FSU, like. How much do you guys, when, when back your days when you were playing, how much does it mean? That it, do you did it all come together? Did you hear of when you beat those guys? Is there some type of effect there? You know, personally. Uh, I, listen, me personally, people can talk about Miami all they want. They can talk about the seven game win streak. Last time I put you my ain't never you ain't never lost you ain't never lost to them. I ain't never lost. To them. <laughs> I don't know what really, matter, I don't know what they, I don't know what they're talking about. Um, but you know, <laughs> you know, give credit where, where credit's due. Coach Mullen is, a, a, is he's doing a phenomenal job in uh in Florida and recruiting. But and you got to think about it. You know, all these guys know each other. Now what they're doing now is playing these seven on seven and 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 these camps and they're getting to know each other. Um, from from different areas, you know, from Central Florida, meeting up with the South Florida guys and stuff like that. Um, it's all word of mouth sometimes, man. And 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 you meet a guy that's that's in the class above you that just got recruited and, and signed with Florida, man. First thing I'm gonna ask you is how is it? I want to yeah. know about what Florida. You know, is they are they really what they're talking about? Is are they really about to go out here and win some games? Is is the is the environment just how you know Coach Dan Mullen you know comes to my house and says it is? Um, I, I think that plays a big part in it as well. You know, not, nothing, not taking anything from Coach Mullen and those guys, but you know, ultimately, you know, Dewan Black is doing the MVP job on Twitter. Yeah, yes. I, so I, I, I love him on Twitter. Yeah, you know? and we see that. Ah. We see that. We see that with the 2020 kids. They got you know some kind of competition, competitive spirit going on with who can bring in the big recruits, who can bring in the big stars. And I'm concerned when you guys were there, when Florida was bringing in the four stars and five that's, stars time and time again. Key, that's the key thing. And, and I was about to just say, like Ahmad, I think, hit it on the head there. The biggest thing that we used to do as players when Urban came in and he had his core, like, you know, five, six guys on the team that he really, really entrusted with the recruits that he needed to land to come in. And then, you know, like, Brandon, like, Tom McCullough, Brandon Siler, myself, and a few others were those you know, t 10 guys that they would trust bringing some of these heavy recruits in. And it's really about their visit on campus, but it's about the conversations with the players. It's all about what the mindset of the team was. And i tell you the one thing that really started shifting in that mindset and how we used to recruit guys. And when I'm talking to a high school guy that was hanging out with, you know, the team and we're out and about or whatever, the biggest thing was, listen, man, you can go anywhere and, and play. You can go anywhere and try and be a stuff like, what it is here is not what it is down the road. 
And what it is here is not what it is in Georgia and Tallahassee and, and all these other places is you're going to come here and it's hard. And I'm going to be the first person to tell you, cause like, I'm going to tell you that because we don't want soft people here. Like we're trying to win championships and that's what the mindset is. We were like so tired of being eight and four, seven and, you know, seven and five. We wanted something different. And the biggest thing is the 05 offseason, I think, really put some grit and some chip on some people's shoulders. And we turned the corner into 06 and we had the mindset all the way across the board. And so even those younger guys who finally got that ironed into them as freshmen, when they became sophomores, they did the same thing. And when Ahmad and them came in in 07, they did the same thing. And then you started seeing those four-star, five-star recruits that came in, and they would preach that same thing down when they were recruiting guys or when guys were on campus, the way we competed day in, day out. It didn't matter what you were doing. Everybody was trying to win. And so I think that's the big thing is that mindset, and Nick Savage embodies that in the offseason, which is what Mick Marotti did so well when he was here and under, under Coach Mullen, I mean, Coach Meyer, that was what won us games. We won it from January to August. We dumped all of that in the bank. You know, we, we, we dumped it in the bank every single day of practice, and we left everything we had in the preparation. And by the time game came around, you're at the ATM. It's already in the bank, man. You're just, you're just making withdrawals. At that point, you're make just it, spending, and that's it. Make it rain, take That's it. <laughs> hey, Ermey used to always say, make the games uh, easier than practice. Always. You know? And I, 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 it's plenty of times when I just remember looking across on our offense and, and you got, you know, Tate and, you know, Hernandez and you got, you know, um, Rainey and, or Dempsey in the backfield and you got Percy, Riley and and uh, Lewis Murphy out there, you know. All right. You have no choice but to get better when you're going against uh, Joe Hayden and Janoris Jenkins and Spikes in the middle and then Will Hill at nickel and then Major at safety and then I'm at the other safety. Especially like, when nobody – Especially when nobody's given an inch. That, that's right. Like ball. nobody's given and an inch. Like Reggie, Reggie like, Nelson. We're getting, we're getting that back around here. Reggie Nelson made a man out of me, you know, like in practice, <laughs> like going one on one with a tight end. And I thought I could, you know, big body and run with some of these smaller guys. But there's guys like Reggie that could cover, you know, 45 yards just with a ball in the air. Those kind of things in the practice moments was dudes getting knocked out, dudes taking chin shots. Guys, that didn't, they didn't care about your feelings because everybody's trying to see the field. But not only that, everybody's trying to win. And it wasn't that we were trying to win in the football season. We were, but we knew if you win every single rep, every single day in practice, there's a winner and a loser. And that's what Dan Mullen's trying to get across right now. And Nick Savage is enforcing that. And I think as long as the coaching and the development's there and that mindset is taking place, the rest will fall into place. The biggest thing is can the players show up and make sure that they're, they're ready every single day to take that approach. And by the way, Tate, you said winner or loser, right? And so, you know, seven on seven. Yeah, we used to carry y'all. Hey, man, y'all hey, wasn't getting rolled, bro. Get rolled. Let people run the ball. <laughs> <laughs> you know that. Jump right, like, that, that. That tough love talk kind of gets me where I wanted to go next. It was a big It was a big topic last time we talked, and it was this staff and how would they recruit uh, before, you know, this was before the season even started. And yeah, look, it was a big topic. And John Hepsey, his tough love approach. And you end up getting going out there and getting seven offensive linemen. And, uh, you know, there was some criticism of him, but, uh, you know, maybe uh, not so warranted now with what, what he was able to do uh, in bringing all those offensive line in. You know, but now after a 10 win season, you know, we just, we saw just how important that familiarity was with the staff. And, and after a top 10 class, you know, th there's not much really to, to criticize as far as staff goes. Changes happened with Sinceri and Warren leaving. Uh, there was some criticism criticism of Sinceri. Uh, Warren was a key cog in the Elam, Elam recruitment, but turns out it wasn't necessarily a staple in his recruitment. Uh, so when it was all said and done, and, and as far as the staff goes, I don't think the worry that some had going into the season when recruiting wasn't going so well, I don't that 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 worry about the staff isn't so much there now, especially when you kind of fast forward and look at the 2020 class as well and the fast start they're off to. My worry is going to be there until we address defensive tackle and strong side defensive end. Uh, the only gripe I had with, with the last staff was Sal, and Sal's gone, so I don't know who to be mad at right now. <laughs> besides, <laughs> besides, I guess, the top. Um, Hevesy was my my worry. I would say when they first got the staff together, I would say Hevesy and C-Rob was my worries on the staff. Both of those guys have done uh, pretty damn good, man. But we got to see what David Turner do with defensive line. I think uh, with South Series uncertainty, 
as far as him being on the staff or still with Florida or even coaching still, that kind of hurt us on the trail a little bit. Some people use that to negative recruit. But now Sal's gone, so we'll see how we can do this this next cycle. And, and, and going to this next cycle, we got guys – it's been a long time since we had guys committed. We're top five class right now. We got guys committed going to all these camps, man. Uh, Gator jumping and talking trash for the Gators. It's been a long time since that happened. We usually go into the summer trying to find a guy. I, I love that guys are going to camps and, and, and putting on for, for the Gators, man. And, and, you know, I see guys in there saying, you know, from other schools, like, hey, you know, we, we should get this guy. And, and those those guys tweeting back saying, nah, I'm a Gator. And that's what we need, man. We don't we don't need we don't need part time Gators, man. We need guys that's going to go to these camps, going to show what they got, show their ability, show the reason why they, they should be a Gator and, and, and bring those top guys on board. Yeah, I've, I've kind of said this since Dan took over and really even his first couple weeks uh, when he was going out talking to fans and everything. The thing that stuck out to me is just it feels very natural. It feels so organic. Like, you know, I mean, there was this whole thing about Jim McElwain. It just if everything felt forced. You know, it, it didn't click the way it should have. Um, and I think Dan is it just he is Florida to some, you know, to some degree. And I think that that to me is what is really standing out, especially in the recruiting process, is you can almost feel the momentum starting to build again. And it gets back to the land in the Lakeland kids and stuff like that. Like you said, these kids going out and recruiting for Florida when they're out there at camps. Um, it, it just feels so organic, and I think it's a tough thing to maybe put words on um, as to what that phenomenon is, but I feel like Florida's heading in the right direction with all these things we talk about, you know, rounding out the defensive tackle class, you know, getting some of those elite five-star prospects. I feel like that's all kind of just building that direction with everything that Florida's built so far, and I think, you know, you can talk about individual assistance all day and all that, but I think really, you know, the vision for the program that Dan Mullen came in with uh, you're starting to realize it. You're starting to see it. And I think that ultimately is going to pay off in recruiting. Um, so, you know, if you're asking me right now, I don't have a whole lot of concerns about Dan Mullen and his staff. Sure, it could be a little bit better. It always can. It's never as good as it looks. Um, but things just feel like they're headed in the right direction for Florida right now. Yeah, you also got to think we've been through this before with, with you know, even when the program was in championship status back in, you know, 06, 07, 08 with coaching change and finding guys to fill voids. Right when, when Greg Madison departed and, and you bring a Dan McCarney and picked up right where we left off on the defensive side of the football, we've had you know assistant running backs coaches with Stan Drayden and some change there. And we've had those those small things that you think maybe it, you know affects recruiting, affects this. The biggest thing here is it's a trickle down from Dan Mullen, right? And as long as he he goes and identifies what you know what he needs on the coaching staff to help him accomplish what his goals are and, and you know, who fits the mold of what he wants, you know, associated with that position group or with the, you know, offense or defense or whatever it may be. I really, I don't think it matters. You go find you a qualified coach. It's Florida. You slide a check out there that makes sense for the person you're trying to get and you get them on board. I think if anything, most coaches that are looking for a step up or even a lateral move in certain instances, it's a good stepping stone to a head coaching job or to, you know, higher, higher things. And that's always been the thing, even, under Urban, when you look at, you know, I mean, hell, you can look at Mike Loxley right now, who's who's the head coach at Maryland and has worked his way head coaching from Florida, you know, and other places. But you can look at Urban's, Urban's tree. Coaching tree has really pumped on to a lot of head coaches right now. Um, from, from that staff, 06, 07, 08, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of benefit there. So I, I'm not necessarily worried about the recruiting impact here and there. I think we've got a lot unknown right now with, with Grantham possibly looking at entertaining an NFL position um, and, and what's to happen between now and next season. There's a lot there, but I have no doubt in my mind that Scott Strickland and Dan Mullen are going to be on the same page about exactly what needs to come in if that does happen and how it fits the mold of where we're going as a program. Hi, Graham. Yeah, obviously building off a lot of what you guys have said, um, Dan Mullen was first and foremost the lead recruiter for a lot of guys. I mean, I, I think if anything, the last month validated that uh, anyone thinking that Charlton Warren was going to be a package deal for Kyer Elam was, you know, woefully misinformed, um, probably none more so than oh, Warren himself. Um, you know, Florida landed a top 50 guy with a, with a new guy, and Torian Gray, who, yeah, had some connections, a little bit distant connections um, to the Elam family, but it just showed that that Mullen was the biggest factor in his recruitment. And then the same thing with Chris Bogle 
David Turner, like like you guys have said, that's that's a big question mark for me. I, I know his relationship, um, you know, uh, you know, to um, Florida is is huge for sure. But he he has a huge task, and that's developing a defensive tackle and ends of the future. And we we haven't seen for sure that he's still capable of doing that. And I I do think ultimately it will turn out, but that is a huge task at hand. I don't think you can underplay. Um, you know, especially if they lose Grantham here in the next few days, we could be having a totally different conversation here next week, depending on what the staff looks like next week. And that would make Turner's job even more important. So it, it, it could get worse before it gets better for Florida right now. But I, I trust Dan Mullen. I think that, you know, in the recruiting, um, what he did on the recruiting trail for the last year pretty much confirmed that the, the assistance may change. But as long as he's there, he's going to get kids to buy in pretty easily if he wants them. Nick, what you got for kind of the moving forward uh, for recruiting and uh, what it holds for the Gators? Uh, well, I think disagreeing a little bit with Silk. I mean, I don't know what Sal was as a recruiter, but I don't know how you replace him as far as, you know, a, a technician teaching. Um, we'll, we'll see. We'll just talk recruiting, bro. Yeah, yeah, just talk about <laughs> recruiting. Um, but Torian Gray, um, I love him. I, I think it speaks to his relationship with the players that before – he was even contacted or maybe even on Mullen's radar. He's got, you know, uh, Marco Wilson, who he didn't even coach. He just recruited him, um, texting him and saying, hey, we want you back. And Jawan Taylor texting him saying, hey, you want you, uh, we want you back. So I think he's going to be great on the trail. Uh, Ahmad in our little chat over here mentioned he's a Lakeland guy. I think there's a running back down there that uh, Florida might want to bring to Gainesville next year. So uh, I think recruiting-wise, uh, like Silk, I didn't, I didn't know what C-Rob was going to be. Uh, I thought it would be interesting because he's so young. Um, played under Grantham, so he has an intimate knowledge of the defense and, and with his age and that knowledge, be able to translate to recruits. We've seen that. Absolutely it has. So um, to me, I, I think they're in a good place. I think they're in a good place. And, and like Silk said earlier, is that you've got an, an established group of kids right now that are already committed to you. And Ahmad said that, you know, they're repping and banging for Florida on, on Twitter and then they're going to these camps and they're bringing kids in and Kids want to play with – they want to go and win. They want to play with good kids. So when you get out to, um, you know, a seven-on-seven seven camp and you've got four guys on one team that are, that are committed to Florida and they're talking about it and then you, their team goes out and wins that tournament, hey, maybe I want to go play with him. Uh, Brandon Spike saying, you know, back in, what was it, 06, hey, wherever Tim Tebow goes, that's where I'm going. Like, he, he can go to FIU and I'll go to FIU with him. It doesn't matter. So kids want to play with talent and they want to win games. So I think that will be something interesting to follow. I think that's going to help Florida in this class. I agree with you, but I'll say this. Brandon Spice was not going to FIU. <laughs> I, 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 I'm not buying that. West, That's exactly right. Hey, I hate to bail out on your boys. I'll see y'all next time. I got a jet. So, I, Dave, I appreciate it, man. I told you I had to bail out earlier. I just want to oh, yeah, yeah. We'll do the dishes, that. bro. Just go That's do the dishes. Stuff. <laughs> I don't know why he's going to act like hey, it ain't, hey, it ain't. I'm going to promise you, it ain't, it ain't like that around here, boss. <laughs> man, you better get the dishes done, bro. My girl made me wash the dishes every day, so that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> nah, Amon, stop trying to roll me into that. Just I'm going to leave what she in front of your friends, bro. He's only talking like that because he knows his wife's not watching this. You're gonna be upset when she when she listens to it, all right? Yeah, okay. yeah you're right. She'll probably smack me around a little bit. I'd be yeah. the first one to. Admit. Yeah, Tay, we we don't uh, we don't live too far from each other, so when we, when we hang out, uh, I can't uh, I can't let uh, I let my wife talk to your wife about washing some dishes and. Uh... That, yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> all right, boy. We'll see, all right, later, man. see ya. All right, we'll be wrapping it up soon here too. But uh, any final thoughts from you guys before uh, we wrap this one up? Uh, I think uh, did a pretty good job here wrapping up recruiting and uh, spring. Spring football not too far, uh, and it's starting. Spring game's been announced uh, April thirteenth, one o'clock, right? So, um, uh, yeah, I had a question for for you and Silk, really, because I, I think when we did our recruiting preseason recruiting, and everyone was not just you guys, but everyone was kind of like, "Why are they spending so much time in California and this and that?" Yeah. Um, just wanted your opinion on kind of the way things shook out with the class, and do you, do you still have that same opinion where they don't need to be wasting time in California? What what is your opinion on? Because, I mean, you're the University of Florida. You need to recruit the entire country. I don't think you're wasting time by offering kids or visiting kids in California. Yeah, I think we should stay out of California. <laughs> I just want to invest a lot of time out there. There's just so much talent in the southeast. We don't have to be out there wasting resources. I mean, if you, you spot pick some guy, I'm not going to say – It's oh, easy to spend someone else's money. Bank, don't worry about that. We bank, no, I'm just saying, we, we bank our first – 
early portion of our class on California. We can't do that part. Now, if there's some elite talent in California, of course, go out there. Go out there. Players everywhere. But we can't be banging on five, six kids from California, bro. Like, that's that's too much. But, yeah, that was that was a that was a big part of the uh, of the last pod that we were that when we discussed it was the, the first recruiting panel and yeah that was a big part of it because we were really just coming off of it chris still had basically i think had already committed to usc by then so yeah. it, really, it really did look like a big failure at the time and is it i mean do you really consider oh, yeah, one guy. right that's what i'm saying do you really consider it even though he's one of the top players and one of the best players in the class was it really still considered a success uh Probably not. I mean, I'm glad you got him. Don't get me wrong. I'd, I'd rather have him than not have him. But you, we already see how excited fans are, how the the start for 2020. And that 2020 class is based on a lot of these top Florida guys that they're going after. And the potential of the 2020 class is based off of getting Bowman out of Lakeland and uh, Beck out of here in Jacksonville and getting 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 guys out of Florida again. So, yeah. Like I, I said, first, cherry, go cherry pick when there, yeah. but I don't, yeah, I don't like spending. Well, I think they were coming in. I think the first staff, the first year, they were coming in a little behind relationship wise with a lot of the Florida kids. So I think they kind of used English relationships out in California and guys' relationships in other places kind of help them get through the first year. But I don't think they're banking on California going forward like that. I, I just don't feel like we should be going way up. I mean, we're passing over, what, Texas and, and, and a lot of good other places. You know what I'm saying? It's a lot of t- – don't get me wrong. There's some talent in California, but I just feel like we're passing over a lot. You can hang out in the southeast, bro. Yeah, you know give, me, give, me, give, me, give me Florida, Georgia, sprinkle in some North Carolina. I'm good. So, I, I, I can win that one. I like the DMV. Yeah, give me some DMV areas. You got to get, get some 301 in a little bit in there. Get some 301. But, you know, other than that, man, I just I, – you know, I, I like I like to keep it southeast because, man, you go up – Anything past that, they don't really play football anyway. They play basketball, so. <laughs> Just facts. Honestly. Thomas Graham, any final thoughts from you guys? No, I just I, – I really like the momentum that Florida's building. You know, it maybe doesn't always show up on paper. Like we talked about the slow start and all that. I just think the Florida program is in a really good spot right now. I mean, it just really feels like they're, uh, you know, building building the foundation, I guess you'd say, for something special. We talked about all the points, man. I don't need to say it again. I, I think that the way that, that Dan Mullen has gone about building things, and I think Tate mentioned trickle down from him. Uh, I just think there's a very clear vision in place right now, and I think you're going to continue to see the results pay off. Yeah, and I, I echo pretty much what everyone says. Uh, I, I think the biggest thing, though, and Dan Mullen has shown no you know, inclination of doing this, they just have to make sure that they don't really you know, get complacent uh, on the recruiting trail. This is a time – where you have a lot of unique circumstances, Florida State, Miami being down, you have the pick of quarterback. You know they really need to kind of you know get ruthless and and cut some kids and pick who you want. And this is the opportunity to do it because you know only one of these opportunities can come around maybe once a decade if you're lucky in a program. And Florida has a chance to really widen that gap right now. And we're going to see how Dan Mullen capitalizes on this. Yeah, that was the probably one of the only critiques of this class is look, you were ninth in the country but fifth in the sec so you still have your work cut out for you when you're going to alabama georgia a&m lsu uh a&m and or uh, lsu and georgia on the schedule every year so they're you know recruiting talent about about on the same pace as you are right now so you know you're really going to have to and a lot of people believe it and i'm a firm believer of it too mullen gets the best out of his guys he's going to continue you have to continue get the best out of his guys but also start getting that four-star five-star talent going in yeah we pull it up yeah, we yep. pulling up in 2020, Dave. There we go. Uh, we're getting some big talent in 2020, man. Closing the gap for sure. Our stuff, man. Yeah. I'm just I, I'm just so I'm just so excited. I you know, 2019 barely got over, and we are and as soon as 20 2019 signing day was over, I'm ready to hop into 2020. I, yeah, let's man, go. Wait, boy. I want I want the signing day to be back to back days because well, I'm, I'm ready, shoot. It's been I'm a long time since we more, enjoyed this. I'll tell one, you that. One, more, one more thought to close on close on to close the show on that. How hard was it to see what Florida was going through with Will Muschamp, Jim McElwain, <laughs> and then bringing in a guy you're familiar with, even though of course the other side of the ball. I'm a firm believer. You know, I can't talk bad about a, pe- a person that I hear, but man, oh, you know, it's just, it, was, <laughs> it was just so hard at this man. Just you know, uh, you know it, it's, it's on, just open and close your mouth, and we'll have silk talk. And, <laughs> and you're not saying I'm making, it. I'm it, it, it was just so hard, man. Just, you know, 
I'm so used to coming back to the games and, and, and coming out of the south end zone, with the, you know, with the guys and mulling and embracing us. And that, that's how it should be. We shouldn't have to come to the game and sit in the north end zone. Like, you, no disrespect, you just came from Colorado State and you're going to tell your, your Gator Grace to sit in the north end zone? It is. Right. That's almost a slap in the face, you know, but, you know. Well, hey, one of the best highlights after the pick six against LSU was – you guys celebrating with, uh, with, Brad, with Brad Stewart and everybody. I mean, yeah. I wait, because I'm going to shoot, man. I'm, I'm <laughs> making a couple more appearances this year. I cannot wait. All right. Sounds good. That did, that'll do it for this edition of the panel. Hey, Silk, man, thanks so much for uh, helping me put this thing together. I think I uh, did another good job. Thank you, you gentlemen, for uh, joining us here again. I think the Gator Nation gets a whole lot out of it. And uh, maybe somewhere around the spring, well, we'll do another one. We'll get, we'll oh, get spring. Out the spring. After spring, yeah, absolutely. There we After go. Spring. After spring, hopefully, hopefully you yeah. guys fight me again, man. It's truly. We hanging out every time, Black. Man, holla at me, man. I just like to hang yeah, out. We got national championship lives after this spring game. I, I swear to God, I got to invite me the next time. I'm gonna have all my rings on. I'm gonna be sitting here like. <laughs> there we go. There <laughs> we go. I'm gonna wear my wedding ring, bro. I'm gonna... <laughs> <laughs> I might have one by then too, but you don't quote me, all right? <laughs> oh, I need to invite to the wedding, bro. <laughs> There's the tease. There's the tease. All right. right, That'll do it for this edition of the Gator Panel. Gator Nation, thanks for joining us here. And we'll see you guys later.